Theophilus, Philippus. Theophilus. Sounds way better when I say it. Theopolis. <laughs> All right. Holy Spirit, thank you um, for your spirit and your presence in this place. God, we thank you for people being saved, healed, and delivered tonight. Lord, because you are still alive and well on the earth. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are still transforming and changing hearts and lives, even in New Zealand. So God, I thank you, Lord, for people encountering you, Lord, even from have already encountered you during the worship, would encounter you during the, the message, Lord, and would encounter you when we lay hands, Lord, just permission just to encounter you at any time, in any way, Lord, we just surrender what that has to look like tonight. We are just hungry and desperate for you, and uh, we are just so thankful that you are always here and always with us. So we are expectant for signs, wonders, and miracles tonight. We're expectant to see things be broken off our lives. We're expectant to see addiction broken. Suicide, depression gone in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for bringing healing to everyone who needs it. Lord, for I read in your word that everyone who was sick that came to you got healed. I'm yet to find a scripture where you told them to go away and that you wouldn't heal them. I thank you, Lord, that you are a willing God and so, Lord, we thank you that you said to preach the kingdom of God is near, which means the kingdom of God is right here. It's in hand. God, I thank you it's not distant. It doesn't have to be strived for, but it needs to be believed and released. So we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Next one. In the first book, O Theopolis, Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Just randomly right there. So it's not just about teaching, it's also about what? Doing. We don't want to be a church with people that are full of knowledge and have no doing. James says that faith without works is what? Dead. He said, I'll show you my works. I'll show you my, my faith by my works. Um, so faith and works go hand in hand. Jesus says that, that we are blessed, those who hear my word and, and do it. He gave Two, I gave a parable about two builders, one who built on the what? On the sand, one who built on the rock. The storm came to which one? Both. <laughs> Both. The Christian life is not a life where there is no storms. The Christian life is a life that you build upon the rock, and regardless if there's a storm or not, your house will still be standing. But he likened us who hear the word and do it as someone who built, builds on the rock, and those of us who hear the word and don't do it, we build on the sand. So you want to be a doer of the word. You want to hear the word and do the word. You want to teach the word and do the word. We never want to just be hearers. We never just want to be teachers. We want to show an example. Christianity was always meant to be lived out. It's not just an ideology. It's not just intellectualism. It's not just a spiritual experience. We're actually meant to live out our Christianity. It's meant to be a lifestyle. Amen. So until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffer sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the what? The, what does it say up there? The kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God. How many know we're in a kingdom? Yeah? Actually, I've been actually doing a little bit of a study about how many times Jesus said to preach the kingdom of God. Kingdom means the king's domain. So when, when he says preach the kingdom, he says preach my domain. Preach, bring, usher in my kingdom. Don't, it's not just, a, again, not just ideas, not just a few opinions. Preach my kingdom and then display my kingdom. Come on. All right. So preach the kingdom of God. And while staying there, with, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Amazing that he didn't say, I suggest you don't leave Jerusalem. He's, he ordered them. How many love to be ordered by Jesus? How many think that Jesus doesn't do that? You're in for a shock. Jesus loves to give orders. As a king, he is well within his rights to give an order to his uh, sons and daughters of the kingdom. Yeah? And that's not control, and that's not legalism. That's a kingdom. Whew, I need to settle down. Sorry, guys, I love you. But um, <laughs> I do, I really do. I'm not having a go. I just feel really strongly tonight about what we need to do. Um, so he said, uh, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they, had, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, is it not, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to Queenstown. Or Bluff, depends how far south you wanna go, but I think it stops at Queenstown. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Darrell. <laughs> I want us to quickly just, I've only got one thought tonight and then we're gonna lay hands and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight. But I want, us to, I want us to understand the importance and the significance of the Holy Spirit. So significant that Jesus gives an order for the apostles to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit, until they receive power. Now, if, if you could just roll with me for two minutes. Amazingly, these 12 uh, well, there's no, no longer, there's only 11 at this stage because Judas didn't have a good run. He betrayed the Lord. So these 11, 11 disciples uh, have been walking and living with Jesus life on life for three and a half years. Amazing. So three and a half years of doing life with Jesus, not, not how we do church, not, not um, three and a half years of Sundays with Jesus, Three and a half years of walking with Jesus, ministering with Jesus, seeing demons cast out, like they were all there when they crossed over and the, and the, the dude's like, I'm legion for we are many and Jesus cast them out and all the pigs ran off and, and, uh, and, and drowned themselves in the sea and then the, the demon possessed man was in his right mind. Incredible. They were there. Yeah. They, they were there when Jesus walked across the water. They were there when Jesus laid hands on the, on the young, young boy's coffin and he got out, resurrected, 
they were there when the Pharisees were criticizing and telling Jesus that he had a demon. They were there when, when the Pharisees were criticizing and trying to trip him up and ask him questions. They were there. They were there when every person that Jesus prayed for or laid hands on got healed. They were there when they had a big crowd of 5,000 people and no one got up early enough to put enough lamb on the smoker and then there wasn't enough food. They collected up the 12 baskets that came from one little boy's lunch. The disciples are seeing Jesus function as a leader, as a teacher. They're seeing firsthand the power of God. Like I think we can all agree in the room that Jesus was a great leader. The way that he could handle criticism, the way that he could forgive, the way that he could get into a sticky situation where the law says, here's a woman caught in adultery, she should die, and Jesus writes in the dirt and says, he, has a, has a, um, he who has no sin casts the first stone and everyone leaves. I mean, that's, that's Jesus and that's leadership gold to get out of that situation. Let's be honest. I, I'm trying to practically break it down for you that, that these 11 men and the woman as well that were with him have seen Jesus be Jesus. Yet, Jesus commands them to wait. Well, I would have thought that three and a half years with Jesus, you've graduated. <laughs> like, you're ready for ministry. You've seen Jesus move. You've, you've seen Him lead. You've seen Him communicate. You've probably got some great preaching tips. You, you've learned from the best. Three and a half years, life on life, Surely you're qualified. Jesus tells them, commands them to wait. I want you to hear tonight that waiting for the Holy Spirit puts an importance on who the Holy Spirit is and how much we need Him. We, are, we do not live in a day and age where we have better discipleship than what Jesus was giving. We don't live in a day and age where we have better teachers than Jesus. <laughs> we don't have better theologians, theologians than Jesus. We don't have better models than Jesus himself walking the earth in any person right now on the face of the planet. And so even though they had the best of the best, Jesus still said, you need the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing because he didn't say, hey, you guys are my witnesses already but I want you to be a little bit cooler. So wait for the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes I think that we think the Holy Spirit is just a little bit of extra razzle-dazzle for a Christian. And excuse me for, for putting a bit of humor in it because it, it's a serious note and humor helps it. Mary Poppins said it. Spoonful of humor helps the gospel go down. All right. The Holy Spirit is not the, the bedazzle or the, the extra or the optional. Um, some Christians need them, some Christians don't. Some denominations need them, some denominations don't. The reality is that we cannot be witnesses without the Holy Spirit. I would like to propose the thought to you 
that the Holy Spirit is so foundational and so core to us being Christians, to us being witnesses, that there is no room anywhere in Scripture for us to look at the Holy Spirit and say, He is a side dish. Or He is, he is just needed for the preacher. Or He is just needed for the worship leader. Or He is just needed for those that are in ministry. The Holy Spirit is needed for every single Christian. No one is getting born again unless you have the Holy Spirit. You could put your hand up, you could say a prayer, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, you will remain the same. Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can a man be born again? Jesus replied to him, he must be born of water and church attendance. Water and what? Water and spirit. Jesus said that John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you in the what? The Holy Spirit. Paul talks about two, two types of people, those who have been born of flesh and those who have been born of spirit. Every person to become a Christian must be born twice. You get born once, and then when you meet Jesus, you get born again through the Holy Spirit. Now, if we were to continue reading through the book of Acts, we would see that, Jesus, that, that the, the church was empowered, directed by the Holy Spirit. They're trying to pick who's going to replace Judas, who they're looking to. Holy Spirit. They're wanting to send out missionaries. The Holy Spirit separates unto him, unto them, Paul and Barnabas. They're just preaching to the Jews. Peter has a vision through the Holy Spirit, tells him to go with two men, goes with two men, the first Gentiles. Picture this, he, he's preaching, and before they've even water baptized them, the Holy Spirit's already falling on them. They're, 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 the Holy Spirit is breaking the grid that, that the gospel is only for the Jews. Because they're seeing the Holy Spirit that fell on them on the day of Pentecost started falling on Gentiles, so how do you argue with that? So the church was birthed through the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit, and I'm here to tell you tonight that nothing has changed. That the Holy Spirit is not just something the Pentecostals talk about. Without the Holy Spirit, everything we do is in vain. Jesus said that it's to your benefit that I go, that I may send the helper. And so I, I, I like to take the words of Jesus very seriously, that if he tells me it's a benefit for him to physically leave the earth, to send the Holy Spirit, it's got to be good for us. Uh, is this helping anyone tonight? So, all of that to say today, without the Holy Spirit, it's just religion. It's just a form. It's just a method. It's external. And uh, I know I don't look old. Maybe I do with my hat off tonight. 
maybe look a couple months older. But without the Holy Spirit, there is no change. There is no transformation. Without the Holy Spirit in us as Christians, there will be no effect. We might as well stop talking about discipling nations if we are not looking to the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and the empowerment to actually be a witness. I don't know if you realize this, but the, the world is not taking too kindly to some ideas and no power. The world is full of information. I can get on Google right now. I can Google anything I want and I'll get flooded with everyone's opinion and information on that subject. The world does not need more info. The world needs the Spirit of God. It needs Christians that are empowered by the presence and power of Jesus. I, I, I want to combat the thought tonight that you can't just look to the Spirit of God. We also need wisdom. <laughs> when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are not talking about some airy-fairy thing that people feel goosebumps. It happens. I get it. But when we start talking like, yeah, we need the Spirit and, we've missed it. You, you don't need the, you don't need the, oh my, please hear me, this is not heresy. Let me just roll with this. We don't need the Spirit and the Word, like they're on two opposite things that we need to bring together to balance out. That's such a twisted Western concept. We need the Spirit of God, and we need to read the Word of God with the Spirit of God, because when we have the Spirit and then we just read the Word, we can take the Word and twist it and our humanism and actually miss the revelation of what God's actually trying to say. So we don't need the Spirit and the Word. We need the Spirit when we read the Word. <laughs> we, we, we've got to stop splitting off saying, yeah, we need the Spirit, but then, you know, we also need wisdom and strategy. Well, who do you think we're getting wisdom and strategy from? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we need Him for, we need him for signs, wonders, and miracles, but we also need Him to, to give us the ability to live above sin to put to death the flesh, we need the Holy Spirit. For, to break free from addiction, we, we may need counseling and we may need truth, but we need the Spirit of God in our counseling. <laughs> See, these are, these, are not, these are not this or that. It's the Spirit of God in everything we do. Come on, we, even when we practically serve our community, we don't just want to just physically give out wood. Anyone can do that. Anyone on the street can walk in and say, hey, here's a piece of, well, hopefully we'll give them more than one, but <laughs> here's a couple pieces of wood. We want the Spirit of God. We, we want to have insight. We want to pray in something shift. We, we want to be a witness. We, we want them to see something that is different about us. And the thing that's different about us is not that we're handing out wood. Come on, because we're meant to be witnesses. And Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes and power comes upon you, then you will be my witnesses to all the earth. So this, 
the, the Holy Spirit for us as Christians, please, I know I've repeated myself like 90 times tonight, is not an added extra. The Holy Spirit is not for the super Christians. He's not the, the, the top up for those who, who are, you know, on the street or whatever. It, the Holy Spirit is needed for the stay-home mom. Holy Spirit is needed for the plumber. The Holy Spirit is needed for the dad. The Holy Spirit is needed for the business. The Holy Spirit is needed in everything we do as a Christian. There is not one thing that we do as Christians that should not have the Spirit of God. Amazing, right? Like I shared this the other week, but isn't it incredible that one of the first people that the Spirit of God came upon when, um, when they were going to build the tabernacle was a craftsman. Even the, even the dude that was making the stuff for the tabernacle needed the Spirit of God. Now, in our Western idea, we would think, well, no, they don't need the Spirit of God. The guy who's going to preach needs it, needs him. But the dude who's just doing stuff with his hands, he doesn't need the Spirit of God. Well, let me tell you tonight, he needed the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. We are called to be living, walking, breathing temples of God himself. Come on, this is why Paul encourages us. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So what does that mean? If the Holy Spirit dwells in me, that's why I'm meant to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because the kingdom of God is... Come on, the Bible declares that the kingdom of God is where? At a conference. In Chicago. The kingdom of God is where? In us. Why? Why is the kingdom of God in us? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Come on, Jesus said that I will come and I'll make my home in you. Jesus is not in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Spirit of Christ is alive in every single one of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? But I don't have time tonight to go to talk about the spirit of sonship and then talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for power and ministry. I would like to suggest to you that there's two baptisms. Okay, probably shouldn't go there if I'm not gonna explain it. So just forget I said that, all right? But there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being in me and the Holy Spirit being on me. Holy Spirit in me is for me. Holy Spirit on me is for you. Yeah? So we want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We want to commune with the Holy Spirit. We want to speak in tongues. We want to build up the inner person. Chloe? Not the inner man, the inner person. Got rebuked this morning because I said speak in tongues and build up your inner man. And like, what does that mean? What, what do I have an inner man? In a, your spiritual self, your inner, come on. And then I showed another translation, it says your inner Greek man. And so, she, yeah, so that's when it went really bad. You do not have an inner Greek man, all right? <laughs> okay, it's not happening. It's, it's not, not Bible. All right, so back to, the, back to the gospel. So we need the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just quickly talk about, um, Ben, if you can come, we're going we're gonna to pray and Go for some stuff tonight. The word power is actually the word, anyone know what the word is? Duna, dunamis. Dunamis, which is actually where we get the word dynamite from. Isn't that a cool, cool analogy? Dunamis. So 
I just want to just quickly read out to you in the strongest concordance what that actually means. But when, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and you will receive power, He's not just talking about fig, fri, ooh, figuratively. Is that it? <laughs> See, I need the Holy Spirit just to be able to talk. <laughs> it's a miracle right now. It says force, literal force, specially, miraculous power, used by implication, a miracle itself, ability. So we're talking about when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the ability, the ability, the power to be a witness, the ability, the power to lay hands on the sick and they will recover, the ability to cast out demons, the ability to cleanse lepers, the ability to raise the dead. Not a man's ability, but the Spirit of God, the power of God, His ability in us. Come on. So if we're going to preach a gospel that says that there's Jesus and no power, we have missed the kingdom of God. We, we can't be okay with a Christianity that has no power. Now, please, I am talking about miracles. I am talking about signs and wonders confirming the Word. But I am also talking about the power of a transformed life. I'm also talking about a Saul that becomes a Paul. I'm talking about a Peter who denied Jesus to a servant girl, but then gets filled with the Holy Spirit and can preach to 3,000 people. What changed? What happened? Well, did, did Peter go to some self-confidence classes? Did Peter spend two weeks and finally got a decent sermon to preach? What happened? Well, Acts 2 tells us exactly what happened, that they were meeting of one accord, and then the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind and sat upon their heads like tongues of fire. And a coward gets up and preaches to a crowd, by the way, that are mocking them, saying that they're drunk. So we're not talking about a nice, receptive church service. We're talking about people who have just crucified Jesus and these are the Jesus followers who have been told to not preach in the name of Jesus and been told to shut up and were actually hidden in a room and locked the door. Jesus had to walk through the locked door to actually get to the... <laughs> Friend, that, that there is no hidden agenda. There is no secret in, in the book of Acts. The only thing that happened, the only thing that changed is that people got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it changed them. And it gave them dunamis. It gave them strength, power, and ability. It gave them inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue or of its nature of which a person or a thing can exert and put forth. The power for performing miracles the moral power and excellence of soul. Come on. The Holy Spirit is what the church and every believer needs. We need the Holy Spirit in our families. We need the Holy Spirit in our, in our, in our relationships. We need the Holy Spirit to be a witness. We need the Holy Spirit in our ministries. We need the Holy Spirit. You name it, we need Him. <laughs> we need Him. 
And it's hard to combat every argument and thought tonight, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and He's demolishing lies in people's lives. Because I don't know your background and I don't know what you're raised in. And I don't know what you've heard about the Holy Spirit. I know people who have been warned against speaking in tongues. I know people who have mocked the Holy Spirit. And have said it's just for the holy rollers. I've heard people say you don't need the Spirit, you just need the Word. I've heard people say that the Spirit of God has ceased today. And the gifts of the Spirit are no longer available. Because we don't need the Spirit now, we have the Word. If that's true, we don't need a Trinity, we need a duo. I'll tell you right now, just because we say it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit does not mean that the Holy Spirit is the third wheel on the tricycle. Oh, we need the Father. Yeah, when we need the Son. We're not really sure about the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended so that He could send the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus thinks the Holy Spirit is needed, you best believe that I'll be a preacher that continues to declare that the Holy Spirit is vital. And please, I'm not trying to hype this up tonight. I'm not, I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know how to articulate it anymore because He is so integral to us being actual Christians, born again Christians, that I, I cannot stop emphasizing that He is not the bit on the side. He is not the extra. Mm. I would even go so far to say that He is the main thing. And that is not devaluing the Father or the Son. It is biblically understanding that it is the Holy Spirit that has been sent to us in this age. People are like, well, who do I pray to? Who do I, who, whose name do I speak in? Well, the Spirit of God will form Christ in us. The Spirit of God will reveal what the Father is saying to us. So if you're praying in the Spirit and you're praying to the Holy Spirit, you best believe you're praying to the Father and the Son. And they are not separate. They are one. I know that's even a hindrance for some people. Come on. You can't go wrong. When you wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit. Come on. Benny Hinn wrote a book about it. Good morning, Holy Spirit. What about the Father? What about the Son? Come on. He reveals the Father. He reveals the Son. They are one. The Bible says that how can, uh, man, I'm going to mess that up, but it says that it's the Spirit, the Spirit reveals, Spirit to Spirit. Who, know, who knows the deep things of God? Who searches the deep things of God? The Holy Spirit. And He reveals them to our spirit. Our spirits become one. Oh, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. And not just on Sunday and not just on Pentecost Sunday. Please don't think that we're just preaching this tonight because it's, we have to. This is a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. And we'll continue to be. Why don't we stand tonight? Shoo,
Just wait on him just for a little bit of time. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, just welcome him.